0: You're listening to One of One with Sloyka, conversations with artists. If you're curious about creators, NFTs, and Web3, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Pam Vos. Let's go. Today we're in for a real treat as I sit down with Butch McCartney, a professional dog photographer who captures the unique personality of every canine companion who sits, rolls over, wags, or drools in front of his lens we'll get some of his best stories and if we're lucky maybe some tips about getting that dog slobber off the lens. You're a real dog person, Butch. I, I'm super glad <laughs> to talk with you today. Thanks so much for being here.
1: I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Fam.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I was talking to you earlier like I'm a huge dog person and I've talked with cat people before. I have to say, I like them too. Any kind of animal is like good <laughs> in my book, but you know dogs are my favorite. Is there a special dog in your life right now?
1: There is, yes. Um, Tell me he's all about right them. <laughs> okay. Oh well, his name is Parker James McCartney, and he mm-hmm. is eleven and three quarters. He is me and my wife Kelsey's first dog, and he's like the light of our life. He's the center of you know he's the most spoiled animal on the planet, both by <laughs> us and his grandparents.
0: <laughs> and Perfect. I do
1: take I do take a lot of pictures of him.
0: Yeah. So given that you like to capture personality, what would you say is his funniest personality trait?
1: Oh boy. I guess when, first of all, when I put the camera in my, up to my face to take his picture, his ears go down, his tail goes down. He just can't handle it. He doesn't give me, you know, the the same kind of personality that I know he has. (laughs) But when we're on a walk and we're chasing squirrels together and throwing sticks and, you know, all these, all of his favorite toys, he lights up. And Mm. probably his favorite place to go is the beach. We take him to Charleston, South Carolina each year. And well, for the past two years, it'll be our third year coming up here. And he is just the happiest man on that beach.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I think kind of like the words Dog Beach is like the best short poem in the world.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah, Dog Beach. Yeah, there's actually, I'm from Door County, Wisconsin, and there's a specific place called called Dog Beach. And uh, that's one of his favorite spots.
0: Nice, nice. I've been to Door County before. uh, Have you? have all the cherries. Yeah, I I grew up in Chicago, so yeah, I've been up to Door County a couple times. The fish boil. Like, what's up with a fish boil?
1: (laughs) They are one of the most popular things. You know, I've I've done it just a couple times. It's a very touristy thing to do,
0: Yeah, but it's tradition.
1: Yep, Yep. gotta love your traditions.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, back to your dog. Would you call him Parker for short? Is that the shortest? Yep, yep, Parker? Parker, okay. Okay. Dog Park is also another great place to go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But does Parker have any like bad habits, ones that you wish that maybe he didn't have to be a good, you know, resident of the home?
1: Well, his nickname around our neighborhood is Parker the Barker, because as you might guess, his bad habit would be busting out of the screen door and sprinting through our yard barking. And I have a feeling he's doing it just to scare away any you know squirrels or people that might be walking god forbid people walking by on the sidewalk but right right
0: right no he's patrolling yeah, he's yeah, patrolling his territory
1: he it's definitely his territory yeah definitely. but uh yeah if there if there's one thing i could politely ask him not to do it would be that
0: yeah yeah gotcha well one of these days you know maybe into his 12th year he
1: can- yeah he'll be the first old dog killer in the new trick
0: there you go there you go exactly all right, I can tell this is going to go well. <laughs> so you've been <laughs> photographing dogs for, it sounds like, over 20 years. Um, was there a special dog that st- kicked it off for you?
1: Okay, so I've been photographing dogs for 20 years. But before that, my dad is also an artist, and he draws characters, cartoons. And ever since I was like 10 years old, we traveled the country to dog shows. And he would set up his booth, and I was his child labor. And he would draw every... <laughs> Every breed of dog you can imagine as a cartoon and people loved it. So that was a big part of my up- upbringing, traveling the country, setting up at dog shows. And, you know, into my teen years, I developed a fondness for photography. And my mom suggested setting up at a dog show. And so I, my very first show was in March of 2003 or four it must have been 2003 and one of my favorite pictures i've ever taken was this Amstaff. he was and he was yawning and i wasn't that great photographer back then i was pretty young but i got this amazing portrait of him yawning and it just it was one of those pictures that you know it's like a great golf shot it keeps you coming back right you only yeah. like, you get one great golf shot and around and then you're like okay oh. i'll come back well yeah. that was the picture for me and i just I think it's in one of my collections. I I have it. I think it was in the dogs assembly collection that I did. And so somebody out there owns the NFT of it, but it's this Amstaff yawning really big and you can see every single tooth that he has. And that to me always just was my very favorite picture for years and years and years, and it got me hooked on dogs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great story. I always, when I photograph any kind of animal, I've noticed that they all will yawn, scratch, stretch and shake. Like almost every one of the animal, like birds do it, you know, yeah. lions do it, dogs do it. You know, you could even picture like just a basic duck in a pond, you know, sometimes they'll stand on one foot and like stretch that one foot back behind them. I'm like, all of those make really great, you know, photo ops, right? Yep.
1: yep. <laughs> Especially was, the yawn. The str- I'm
0: always going for the yawn. <laughs>
1: The yawn, and you just mentioned the stretch. I love the stretch photo, and uh-huh. our dog Parker. He stretches all the time. He'll stretch when it's just about time for dinner, before or for you know a walk. I wish I stretched as much as him. I'm sure my body would be in much better shape.
0: They're so intelligent, aren't they? The animals they are. are just yep. like I need this before I get moving. I need to do like get in shape, shut, and stretch my lens. I've even taught a couple of the dogs in my world. If I say down dog, like as they're stretching and give them a treat as they're stretching, then you can train them to like do the down dog on command. I don't know if i have ever tried that, but you know, Parker, maybe no barking will be harder to teach than stretch on command.
1: Well, maybe I just need to keep a pocket full of treats and say no barking and then give them a treat. That's probably uh, exactly how it's done.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good luck with that one. I don't know. There's some things that are, you know, instinct will always win over. So when you're photographing dogs at these dog shows. I think that's just such a cool environment too. I've only been to one or two dog shows in my in my life, but when you, you know, you've probably seen a million Dalmatians and you've probably seen, you know, like hundreds of cocker spaniels and all of these. And how do you capture the unique personality of that one dog that's in front of you at that moment without just being like, oh, it's, you know, cause the show dog, it seems like the cocker spaniel is supposed to look exactly like you know, the perfect Cocker Spaniel, but you're trying to make him look like an individual Cocker Spaniel.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, When I'm at a dog show, and that's just the best place to find all of these breeds because they're right there at your fingertips. And when somebody comes to me for a portrait, they want a lot of times, at least in the beginning before they figured out who I was, they wanted the perfect breed portrait. Mm -hmm. It's never been my interest. That's, you know, I, I love certain breeds and how beautiful they are, but I'm interested in, the dog's personality and bringing that out in them and working with their beautiful shape and how the light, you know, falls on them, things like that. But to get their personality, I I just do what I do and what everybody does with their dog at home probably. You are just down on their level and well, I try to speak their language. That's that's my trick. Everybody knows it now. But I <laughs> howl at them. So, oh,
0: you do. <laughs> I, I, I,
1: it came instinctively at my very first dog show. I, it, it's not something that I planned on. I just, my first dog came by 20 years ago and I was sitting down on the ground and I just howled at the dog and he, you know, did that cute head tilt that everybody loves. And that's been my number one trick. It doesn't always work, but that's what I, That's always my go-to is howling.
0: That's great. I've, I've never tried howling. I always would make like very funny noises, like oh ears to, you know, like make some, Like, not actually a squeaky toy, because some dogs are terrified by squeaky toys, I've learned. Right. (laughs) So you kind of make your own human version of that, and it it gets that same curious head tilt look.
1: Exactly. Yeah, the howling is my start, and the more desperate I get, (laughs) the (laughs) weirder the noises get. (laughs) So, yep. Yep. And yeah, I found that, you know, if I try treats, sometimes I can just completely lose control of the whole, because dogs will get too excited. They want it. And that's their entire focus goes to that, their treat. And then it's really hard to get them back to pay attention to me.
0: I experienced the same thing when I was taking dog portraits way back in the day. Yeah, I would. the owner would be like, oh, I'll bring treats. And I'm like, do not bring the treats out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Once the treats come out, it's all over. Like, they do not forget that there's no. treats. Even if you're like, they're all gone. You're like, no, I can still smell exactly. them. Like, you've totally lost the game. But, okay, so going back to this howling, like, my imagination is going crazy because if you're in a dog show, there's all these other dogs. Are they going to howl along with you?
1: It has happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, like, when they set us up, so I'm called a vendor, and so is like, there's all sorts of vendors at the dog show, and usually we're set up right next to, or the, the grooming or the crates is all, that whole setup is, like, behind us, and then the rings are in front of us. So I'm surrounded by dogs everywhere. <laughs> And I try not to howl loud enough where I'm going to distract the dogs in the rings, but there's a lot of times dogs right next to me in their crates that chime in. I don't have a clue what I'm saying, but sometimes I don't know if I said the right thing.
0: Right, right. You're like, oh, sorry.
1: Like, oh, I started a party.
0: I wonder what they're saying back. They're like, look out for the photographer. He doesn't have any treats.
1: Sometimes it sounds like that.
0: That's awesome. So with the dog shows, I mean, it seems like in some cases, the dogs and the owners start to take on like a similar look or similar, you know, presentation to the world. Have you ever noticed that? Like, what's the funniest, you know? Without
1: a doubt. Without a doubt. Like certain breeds like poodles are more manicured. And mm-hmm. their owners will wear something that reflects that. And then you've got dogs that are a little bit more rough around the edges, like a pointing griffon or something like that, where their hair is a little bit more wiry and wild. Well, their owners wear that looser clothing and have the hair that's not exactly, you know, in place. And they just, I don't know what that says about me. Parker's a doodle. <laughs> and I, I guess, I don't know, maybe I look like a doodle.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Well, <laughs> our listeners will have to decide. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so is the environment at the dog show, I mean, it seems like high stakes, right? It seems like no pen intended with the stakes, I guess. I could go crazy with puns, with <laughs> yeah.
1: dogs.
0: But, you know, like everyone's trying to get a prize and try to, you know, I've yep. always had kind of mutts or just like not dogs that were, that I cared about their lineage as much or any of that. I've just been like, I love this, per- this like little being, you know. But with people who are, trying to, you know, get best in breed or get, you know, like a better placement than they did before. What's the stress level of like dogs versus owners and do you see any stress going on or is it pretty chill? It
1: all depends. Some people are really into it. They pay a, a lot of like big money for a professional dog handler to mm-hmm. take their dog into the ring and sometimes they fly that person all around the country. And then there's the person that the dog show is in town and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to bring my golden retriever." and just see how he does. So there's there's a wide range. It's the kind of thing that anybody can go show their dog. It's not like you have to make it to the major leagues. You can just, as long as your dog is purebred, you can enter him in the dog show to see how they stack up. Most times, it's people that do this every single weekend. They travel the country, and it's their life. So I don't see a lot of the stress. Usually, I advise people to come take portraits with me after you're done showing. If I get them into the portrait in, into my portrait booth before they go in for the ring, sometimes I can sense that stress or they don't, they might not want to try like a jumping photo or something right. like that just because they're like, oh no, he's going to show in a second. I don't want to stress him out. Right. So they take it very seriously and I get it. And I, the portrait booth that I have, my little onsite studio, it can be overwhelming. You know, it's a, it's in a little 10 by 20 space that I have everything set up in. And all these lights are pointing at the dog. And if I was that dog, I'd be like, what is going on? I came what here to I show, <laughs> I came here to run around the ring and now I've got this thing in my, in my face. So I, I get it. But yeah, most of the time it's it's pretty relaxed and it's all for fun. Mm-hmm. Especially when they come into my booth, they know it, they're there for fun because the pictures that I display in my booth are like underdog, my underdog portraits, the personality pictures where they're tilting their face. It's I don't have like a serious bone in my body kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's yeah. a very relaxed environment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So about your underdog series, I love that view. You know, like given that you're not trying to take that perfect breed photo where it's like, well, okay, you right? Mean, I know that's going to be difficult, and people who specialize in that go for it. Yep. But like, I'm more of the, you know, in line with let's like have fun. And so you have figured out a way to shoot a dog kind of from underneath, so it, it feels like they're standing on something glass and looking down at you, uh, like up in the yep. air. So how did you? figure out that. And, you know, are there any funny stories about getting a dog? It feels like it might be like ice skating on top of there for them.
1: (laughs) Well, it's, it's very, that part. Okay. I'll get to that in a second. I'll just kind of touch on how I, how it came to be. I started out doing like belly rub pictures where the dog would lay on his back and I would photograph straight down. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Seeing the paws in the air, but a lot of dogs didn't want to do that, which was frustrating because it made such a great portrait. And if I tried it with a client and their dog didn't do it, then it was kind of like, let down. their client was disappointed that their dog didn't perform when all I really wanted to tell them was, well, you know what? It's kind of a weird thing to do. It's don't be hard on your dog. It's <laughs> It just didn't work out. And COVID happened. So I had a lot of time to invent and recreate and do something because dog shows all across the country were canceled. And so I was basically out of work. And so I dreamt up underdogs. I didn't invent the idea of photographing up at anything. I'd seen it in commercials and I'd seen an incredible portrait of a horse from below. So the idea was out there and, but I didn't know how it was ever achieved. I just invented my own platform. So I went to Home Depot and every time you go to Home Depot, it's never one trip. You're always going to go back three times (laughs) because you forget stuff. But I just invented my little, drew up a little platform and Mm -hmm. I bought some glass tempered glass that's thick. So I knew it would hold the animal. Parker, my dog was the first to try it on a normal piece of framed glass and Kelsey was right there holding it to make sure it didn't break. But oh, yeah. um, those <laughs> first those first few attempts in early 2020 were successful. And I'm like, well, I'm going all in. I've got nothing else to do. So I built the platform out of two by fours and painted it black and made the frame for the glass and you know, away we've been going. And a lot of people love it. A lot of people are like, no thanks. I don't need to see the underside of my dog. And um, (laughs) it's been fun for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love when you're like laying on the floor and your dog like comes and stands over you and looks down at your face. And then like their jowls are like kind of hanging down. Like that would be a great shot. And you figured out how to do it all the time. And that
1: was another thing. A client of mine at one of the dog shows had brought me their great date. And they're like, well, do you think you could lay down for a picture? I love it when he shows me his jowls. And I did that. And it wasn't an underdog, but it was his face and the jowl her the dog was a girl. It was her face and her jowls and it was just awesome. So that kind of led to the underdogs as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yeah,
1: you're right on. I love that look too.
0: And and even their eyebrows kind of like slope down. Yep. As all of ours do, right? But we don't So are you underneath this platform or do you just have a camera under there with a monitor? Like are you How No, you I'm
1: know? underneath. Yeah. You are. So, so you can I'm totally down there. And because the dogs, they they don't just stand there. They're they're wiggly. And I have the dog's owner next to them, sometimes even another another helper to make sure that the dog doesn't jump off. And it's not natural for a dog to look down through the glass. So we trick them, we place treats mm. between their paws and underneath their belly. And that's how you get them to do the twisting mm-hmm. and you know, the funny little looks to look straight down. And then sometimes they do see me and then they're like, Well, what are you doing? And you know. <laughs> It's yeah. a lot of fun. It's, it's the most fun I've had in dog portraits in a really long time. So I, you know, it's a great feeling to be excited about your work. So yeah. Yeah. It's-
0: yeah. So I think with the portraits that you're taking, obviously you're taking those four clients who, you know, they own that dog and they're probably going to be your best customer for those photos. But I feel like you have this, this real like ability to catch this universal dog also that feels very fine art and feels very much like, even though you don't know that dog, you could hang that. Picture on the wall, and you know, have it be like, right. In general, like fine art.
1: That's part of my goal heading into every session. I'm always looking, looking. You know, I, I I was an art major in college. I've always had that kind of like, that's where my brain goes first. You know, how do I make this into this beautiful scene? And with dogs, I've I've always photographed a seamless backdrop, so very clean, usually black or white, and the dogs have this beautiful shape to them whether they're a big fluffy dog or a very sleek long-legged you know this great shape that the light falls on and I've always found it to be very very artful. and I try to create a beautiful art piece for people along with getting a great portrait of that dog's personality so they look at the dog and be like oh my gosh that's Parker that's my Mm -hmm. that's my Parker and then also another piece it's just you know just always been my approach I've never put a lot of thought into it it always just came naturally just to go about doing it that way. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I'm glad you noticed.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, of course, of course. Yeah, I think the the use of light and, you know, you use studio lights and you're in, but most everything I've seen is a studio setting where you're, you're sharing that those works out there. And given that you only know a dog for a very short period of time, you know, just during the shoot, do you do any like interviewing of the, of the client beforehand? Like what is that personality trait? that you appreciate the most of your dog. So let's try to get that in the session. Like, do you start with that? Or do you just kind of like go in there and like, mind meld with the dog and be like, I know who you are. Come <laughs> to get that picture.
1: <laughs> well, I wish I was that good. At our studio here, when I do, I do like a handful of dogs a month at our studio here in central Wisconsin. And I will do that back and forth via email before the session starts to try to zero in on what, they want out of the session and what I can expect when their dog arrives, whether it's a very playful dog or a very serious dog, things like that. At the dog show, they tend to be pretty quick. They're like 15 to 20 minute sessions. So when the dog comes in, I can usually tell like if the dog is hyper playful or scared. And that's, that kind of helps with my approach. If the dog is like a border collie, border collies are typically, I love when border collies come in come into the studio because they're very intelligent and very curious and they always love what I have to say. So I know that when I howl at a Border Collie, they're going to be like, what are you saying? You're not actually saying something. Do you realize that? It's my language, <laughs> but it's not my language. And so I have great conversations with Border Collies. And then there's some breeds and I can't really think of one offhand where I'll howl at them and it's it's nothing. So I got to try to learn that dog's personality on the fly to try mm-hmm. to create a, a portrait of you know, this animal in the next couple minutes, you know, right. it's, dog shows are very, they're active and you only have 15, 20 minutes for, for that, for that session. So it's, you know, learning on the fly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like sometimes you have a helper there and I don't know if sometimes you don't, but it was always frustrating to me when, when the owner would try to help. Cause I'm like, you're not helping at all. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying, but they're like, "Look over here! Look over here!" I'm like, "No! I want the dog to look right into my lens and not look at you." So, like, they don't get it that, like, just because they're behind you, the dog, like, if the eyesight is not going directly into the lens, it's not what I was looking for. So, how do you? Pam, you are,
1: you are me. We are the same person. That's why I love your
0: photography so much. I'm just like
1: you're helping all all my frustrations.
0: <laughs> well During let's a let's make sure let's share this out to all dog owners so they can like work with their photographer right? the best way.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what I've learned is that, that it's very important for me to set the expectations and what I want them to do to help me. And it's usually stand there and don't really do anything else. Cause mm-hmm. you know, they will try to like they'll start making noises, but they're standing up. You know, three, four feet taller than me off to the side. And I don't want that picture. I want exactly like you said, looking right into my lens. So if they have, tre- if they bust out the treats, which I don't want them to do, I'll be like, okay, the treats are out. Okay, now I have to have them put that treat like literally on top of my lens. Like yes. I'm saying, touch it. So I need them looking right into there. So I have to set the expectations, communicate with, because the helper is usually at the dog show, the dog's owner. So I have to educate them before. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm
0: always like, here, no help at all.
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) Except
0: except when, well, sometimes I would do like on location shoots and we'd get the action shots where I'm like, okay, I want the dog running at the camp. Like we'd be out at, you know, open space, you know, in the forest, national forest and stuff. And I'd be like, throw the stick right at me. And they're like, no, like, yes, I've got a long lens. It'll be fine. So like throw the stick at me. The dog will run towards me. You know, like that's the shot that we want. And yeah, it's always harder to work with the owners than the dogs. It seems like you just have to convince them the dog. You're just like, we're here, right? We're doing this. And it's like real time.
1: Exactly. Yep. Trying to communicate what your thought is. Cause you can see the picture perfectly in your brain and like you can envision it and you know what you want that person to do. So you kind of wish that you could be the one throwing the stick and taking the picture at the same time. And yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. if only we
1: could duplicate ourselves.
0: I know, I know. Well, it would be fun to shoot with you sometime.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Any tips for like, if someone is just trying to take a really good photo of their own dog, you know, without this like fine art studio portrait situation that you have going, because I mean, that's just like levels and levels above. But if someone's just trying to take a really good photo of their own dog, what tips would you share with them?
1: Get low, get on their level. That's what I've done from the very start. And when you're on your dog's level, it's like that's the way that your dog can look right into you, and it's it's a different world down there. So that would be my my number one tip. And try howling. You know, try something that will. If your dog has a word like walk or squirrel, and my dog is sitting down here, and he's just (laughs) like, "What are you saying, Dad?" Magic words. Um, I know. I got to watch what I say, <laughs> but magic words are not just that, they're magic. And if you have your camera ready and you're down on their level and your dog can sit right in front of you, that's when you use those magic words and be ready to shoot because they'll give you a look.
0: Yeah. So that, yeah. that would be my number I, one tip. I would say the same. Okay. I want to talk about your NFTs and how you got into NFTs, but are there any disaster stories that you have either from a dog show or from something in your studio that happened where you're just like... Oh, I should have seen that coming. Like I need more sandbags on the lights, and or anything like that. Any crazy disaster story of a shoot that you can bring to mind?
1: Oh gosh. I'm always forgetting something. <laughs> <laughs> this one time at the I went to the Humane Society. I do a lot of shelter dog work and shelter okay. can shelter animals. And I went to the Humane Society and I forgot my light. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, no. I use I use studio lights, so I had to think on the fly and I literally set my backdrop right up next to a window. And I shot the whole thing with a, with window light and nobody could tell. So I, you know, it's, yeah, that was my one Oh shoot moment. Otherwise I, uh, sandbags, uh, there's never enough sandbags out there. Um, I haven't had anything fall. I had a a light blow up at a dog show once. Um, but that wasn't my fault. It just was a crappy light, I guess. I don't know, but you know, I was nine hours from home and I had to go buy a new one. So Oh, yeah, wow. but oh, it's awesome. usually my own memory that my memory that gets in my own way. So, yeah, <laughs> the mental checklist, the mental checklist. Right. Yep.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like you have so much fun doing doing this day in and day out. So, tell me about how you went from you know because you've been doing this for so long. How did you find out about NFTs? How did you decide to start presenting your fine art shots in as NFTs?
1: Well, I think it was boy, I should really look to see when my because. 2023 is kind of a blur a little bit, but I think it was either late 20, I think it was late 2021 when I got it, I did my first NFT and I was, you know, went into this world with dabbling in Bitcoin and Ethereum and things like that because it was, you know, all the rage and it was doing well. And of course I was probably way too late to the game as was I think, I, I don't think I'm alone in that department. But that led me to discover NFTs because naturally, as an artist, I am connected. I was naturally already connected to a few artists in the Twitter world that were doing it. So I, you know, I thought, well, I have you know a, a mountain of work that this might translate well to. So I, I dabbled, and you know, it was that one, my first sale that. Who was it? I, Leslie Spurlock is my, you know who Leslie is. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows who Leslie is. She was my very first sale and she bought one of my, one of my first collections was the uh, shelter dog collection where I donated the proceeds to our local humane society. And she was my first sale. So she helped me donate to our humane society. But once that feeling came in, you, you saw the, the NFT sell, you're like, oh my God, is this fun? This is amazing. So I, it was just that initial excitement. I blame her for why I'm still here, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, yeah, so I, I have, she's amazing. Yeah. So that's, that was how I, I got my start just dabbling in, in the coins. And then that, you know, my connections with other artists led me to give it a shot myself.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. And I know you have a collection of work on Soika. I know you have work on Foundation, OpenSea, and now you're on Super Rare as well with some really beautiful shots on Montage that are they look like dogs flying. <laughs> Tell me about right. those those photos. Yeah.
1: Well, dogs jumping is always a very artful photo in my mind. And the two that I have up on Super Rare are the Commodore and the Puli. And while they look alike, they're very different breeds. Well, they're both Hungarian breeds, but the Commodore is very large. And the Puli is like knee height. So they're also breeds that have dreads. So their hair is corded. And... Some people call them mop dogs. Actually, lots of people call them mop dogs. But when they jump, all their hair kind of goes everywhere. And when the light hits it, I, and for those images, I just use one light. Actually, a lot of my portraits, I just use, just use one light. But it's a portrait that really excites me. It feels very artful. It's like this floating ball of dreads in the air. And it kind of gives me a surreal vibe when I when I look at those portraits. And I've been hanging on them for quite a while. And then when I got this opportunity with Montage and Super Rare, I was just like, I knew right away which direction I was going and I couldn't wait. So that, that's how yeah. those two pieces came to life.
0: They are so beautiful. Like you look at them, and you kind of know that they're a dog, but then you don't see any dog features except the hair, you know? Right. You don't, yeah. You're not like, oh, there it is staring into the lens.
1: And that's that's another thing of finding these breeds at the dog shows. They're perfectly groomed, and part of the breed standard is having their cords or their hair down to feet level, so you don't see anything. You barely see their face, and you don't see their feet. And you know there's, when they come into my studio, my eyes light up, and I probably mm. play with them way too much. And the owner's like, "Are you done yet?" And I'm just, I just love to create. And another pulley is in my Sloika collection, the dog exhibit that has been around for a little bit, and I photographed. I was actually on a ladder for that one and I photographed straight down and it's I call it Rorschach something is is what I, I named. The Poolie yeah. Rorschach is I believe yeah. what I when I named that piece. And I just pulleys pop poolies and commodores will always pop up, you know, on my website, on NFTs that I release and Instagram. They're just one of the more artful breeds. That those two breeds are one of the more artful breeds, if you ask me. Yeah,
0: yeah. And do they ever howl back those two?
1: <laughs> no, they, they don't. Bark a lot for me. The hounds will howl back at me. Which, oh, of course. But yeah. uh, the hurry dogs are generally a little bit more uxurious. Uh, so they'll just give me cute mm. little looks, even if, yeah. even if you can't see their face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, do you have any dog shows coming up soon that you're going to go to? Is this like year round? Lots. Of- Oh,
1: yeah, man. well, actually, my wife and I were both in business together, and Kelsey's an artist as well. But we have seasonal portrait seasons, so we're just getting done with, you know, like our in real life job is is weddings and high school seniors, and so we're just that season is winding down. And I've got a dog show coming up in near Chicago in the end of October, and then in Philadelphia, the end the week before Thanksgiving. Back to Chicago again in January, and then Madison, Wisconsin in February, and Louisville, Kentucky in March. So it's wow. going to be very busy. And in between yeah. all that, I'll have dogs here at the studio as well. So at a typical dog show, I'll photograph about 50 to 80 different dogs. So it's going to be a very, very busy season for me.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. That's yep. awesome. Well, and it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. And this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. This has been great. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad you had me. me. Of course. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, we're keeping an eye on what you're what you're up to. Do you feel like any of these shots that are from upcoming dog shows will turn up as NFTs for you in the future? Or do you kind of shoot separately for your NFT? I
1: have, I have a, a few projects that I'm working on that are just in the building phase. I have ideas and as... I can't just have a session and then just say, oh, that's going to be an NFT. It's It's got to like mm-hmm. fit into, I always compartmentalize myself. It's, I've got my underdog theme. I've got the, now the when dogs fly. I've got my dog exhibit with Sloika. And then I always, I have to organize things that way. It's just, if I don't do that, I feel like it's just chaos. So I have a few things that I'm working on. So yeah, I, awesome. I would definitely expect a lot of these dog shows to bring in new work.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, I hope you have fun out there. And yeah, we'll be looking for more fun shots from you. Thank you so much, Butch.
1: Appreciate that, Pam. And I hope we get to take pictures of dogs together sometime.
0: That would be amazing. If you ever come out towards San Diego, let me know. And
1: uh oh, we got up. it. Be- Absolutely. We got a
0: dog beach here.
1: <laughs> Do you? That's all I need. Oh, yeah. Yep. Parker, dog beach. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, there he goes. Yep. There he goes. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Butch.
1: Thanks, Pam.